Not advertising. But Thrivent is a very good financial. No, I'm just I'm really not. <laughs> All right, so uh, Jeremy is uh, normally the, the guy that speaks here. You know him with the no hair, right? Um, yeah, so he is in Turlock today, speaking with the Turlock campus, and uh, he'll be back here next Sunday. And um, so just wanted you to know that because our lead pastor is actually right now in Baja, Mexico with our Mexico outreach team. And uh, so they're loving on some, uh, yeah, basically it's an orphanage down there in school. And so they're building some stuff and pruning some trees and doing whatever God kind of puts in front of them. But uh, so he, he called in the, the backup kind of quarterback for uh, Turlock to come over there. So um, anyway, I, I get to be here. That's the main thing that I'm excited about is that I get to be here with y'all. Um, so this morning we're gonna we're gonna dive into the message and uh, I'll start it like this. It had all the makings of a grand heist. The merchandise was scoped out. A plan was hatched and executed. And the small plastic green ring was lifted from the side table at the old lady's house. And when I got home and my mom asked me where I'd gotten this glorious piece of machine-crafted jewelry, my answer was, I found it. So that was the beginning of my crime spree at the age of four, and also hopefully the end. But how many think I broke at least two commandments during that day? Yeah? Um, Let me ask you this question. How many have ever, ever told a lie? Some of y'all are doing it right now by not raising your hand. (laughs) How many have ever stolen something? Ooh, that gets a little bit more serious for some reason, right? Yeah, so, you know, we're we're amongst friends here. We're, We're with a bunch of liars and thieves, right? Right here in this place. So it's good to be together in one place. Uh, hopefully the police don't raid us. And I just got to say personally, sharing that story, that it feels good to get that off my chest. And it's also good that my mom's not here to hear that story. Uh, some of us might remember these commandments this way. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Most of us don't talk like that anymore. If you do, maybe you should be in a Shakespearean play or something. But maybe you are more modern and you heard it this way. You must not steal, and you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. My version is this. Don't, stay, don't take what's not yours, and don't lie about people. Pretty much plain and simple, right? You're probably wondering why would we put these two commandments together, and it's because typically they're broken together. A lot of times, you think how tightly that they're connected, and, and they are. They're, they're besties. You hardly see one without the other. And these commandments help us to recognize and, and, with God's help, avoid getting stuck in the trap that happens with them. We've been on this journey through the Ten Commandments called guardrails. And these guardrails, these commandments, are designed by God not to take away our fun, not to destroy our, our enjoyment and our freedom, but to actually give us freedom, to actually set us up for success in this life. Remember, the Ten Commandments weren't given as a way to earn God's love. They were evidence, and they are evidence 
that there's already his love in existence, that we already are loved and cherished and accepted and approved of. And a vital relationship already exists if we have our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But he provides these guardrails, these commandments to help us stay on the road that leads to eternal life. They were given to keep free people free. And the nation of Israel was experiencing freedom for the very first time in over 400 years. They had been set free from the Egyptians. And that's when God came and said, here, I'm giving you 10 commandments so that you can stay free. He wasn't coming and saying, oh, you like your freedom? Too bad. Here's the commandments. He was saying, no, this is the way to not slip back into slavery, not to the Egyptians, but to sin. And so he gave us these commandments, and they set us free emotionally and mentally. And um, we look in the past few commandments, you see that. But he also wants to set us free and keep us free relationally with each other. You guys know that it's important that not only we have this relationship with God, right, but that we also have this relationship with each other. So if there's somebody here that you don't like, this is for you. And if there's somebody here that you really like, this is for you. But God wants us to live in that freedom. He didn't give these guardrails to control us and to, to, to like squelch our fun. He gave them to set us free. He gave them because he loves us. And it's really important to God that we love each other, that we love each other deeply. He desires his kids to get along and be in unity with each other. You know, that was one of the final prayers of Jesus himself. He said, Father, make them one as you and I are one. Imagine that we could be united and one the same way that the Son and the Father are united and one. It almost seems impossible, right? But God desires that for us. In fact, um, God says in these last kind of uh, six uh, commandments, they're all in conjunction, us with somebody, First ones were like, hey, let's, let me trust in God. Let me put my faith in him. Let me not use his name in vain. All of these things, honor him by keeping the Sabbath, all of those things. But, but in this, he talks about us with other people. So God says to honor who? Mom and dad. He says, who shouldn't we kill? <laughs> other people, right? And who? He, God says, don't commit adultery with, with whom? anybody. But these are all others that we have in our life. And here God says, don't lie about and don't steal from other people. So God has this desire for us to look beside ourselves and across the room and across the aisle and across the road and across the nation and across the world to see the people that he's actually called us to love. God's commanding us to love each other so deeply that we don't sin against each other. Imagine just for a second what the world would be like if we truly just followed one rule to treat our neighbor as we want to be treated. Imagine what a difference that would make. How can we boil all of this down? Y'all read this last week in Matthew 22. Just they asked him, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. But he didn't stop there. That sounds pretty good, right? Love God with everything you've got. But he goes on and he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally 
important. Catch that? Equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So two commandments. We could have done this whole series in two weeks. But you know how preachers are. We got (laughs) to drag it out. So when I love God and others, let me ask you this. When I love God and others, does it make sense that I would steal from them? When I love God and love others, does it make sense that I would lie against them or lie about them? No. So can we look at someone, can we love someone and lie about them? Can we love someone and take from them what doesn't belong to us? If you think about this whole idea of bearing false witness or, or, or telling lies about our neighbor, what is the purpose of that? What is our goal in doing that? You think about the times when maybe you have done that or somebody has done that to you. What was the goal in mind? To attack character? To belittle? To tear down? To ruin someone's reputation? Right? Or sometimes to promote ourselves? In Proverbs 22.1 says, Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. And we've all experienced that, right? At some point or another, somebody has thought well of you, and maybe somebody came and whispered in their ear and told them a lie about you. A poet once said, Who steals my my purse steals trash, but he who filches from me my good name robs me of that which not not rich not enriches him yet leaves me poor indeed let me i just messed that up he who steals my purse steals trash but he who filches from me my good name robs me of what that which is not does not enrich him yet leaves me poor that's the best try i'm not gonna try again (laughs) you know what i mean i'm obviously not that great poet all right but um have you ever had someone spread rumors about you You ever had somebody come and say, did you hear what someone said about you on Facebook? Did you see that? Or maybe you're in the break room at work. Hey, I heard that you did this and that. Or maybe somebody calls you or texts you and said, hey, did this really happen? I just got a text that said this about you. It's frustrating, right? I remember when I was in grade school and just having my integrity called into question was like punching me in the face. We were in the library, which, you know, is probably the most fun you can have at school. Um, And then we were leaving, and they have one of those things that, like, um, goes off if if you try to steal a book. I just wonder, who's stealing books? I don't know. Anyway, but I thought it'd be fun to jump through it. I don't know why, because I was a kid. And the, the librarian made me come back and walk through. Just the most humiliating thing is to have to turn around and go back and walk through it again. But for me, it was, she was saying, I don't trust you. You might be one of those crazy book thieves that I've heard about. And something about having that question and having your integrity question is, is, is hard, to, hard to experience. And when, when, we, when somebody steals or when somebody says something bad about us, um, 
not only are they lying and bringing false accusation against us, but they're stealing something else, right? They're stealing our joy, our, our good standing, our peace, sound mind and spirit. They, they can rob you of, of your true intentions or your motives or even your identity. Think about that. How, many, how common is this problem of identity theft in our society today? Like that is a form of lying. Somebody is saying, this is who I am of lying and stealing. They're, they're saying, this is who I am. And by the way, let me empty your bank account, right? Because a lie begins to change and alter how people perceive you, how, what they think about you. And that, that just hurts. Some of us know what that's like. And when you try to repair that, it can be tough and sometimes next to impossible. We want to defend ourselves. We want to stand up. We want to claim what's ours. You know, you see somebody who, who gets something taken and, and there's, a, there's a whole YouTube channel about this guy who designed this glitter bomb that goes off so that the porch pirates who take from them, that this glitter will explode on them when they get it back home. And it's all videotaped and everything. You can look it up on YouTube. But it's this whole idea of I'm going to get back at the person who does what? Who's stealing from me. And there's deep hurt that happens when others steal from us or lie against us. And the same thing happens when we do it to them. If you've ever done that, we, we hurt them emotionally, mentally, spiritually, relationally. God is saying to us, I'm commanding you, commanding you. I'm not leaving you any wiggle worm in this. Wiggle room. Did I say wiggle worm? Wiggle room. Don't tell Jeremy I messed that up. So I'm, I'm commanding you, do not do that. Calling you to love others and not destroy them. That's what this is really all about. Has anyone here ever had something stolen from them? Yeah? Well, I was living in a small old house in Seattle, Washington, and uh, I had decided to move back to the dorms over in Kirkland, Washington, in the process, I loaded everything I could possibly squeeze into my little Subaru Justy. If you've ever seen a Subaru Justy, they're not big. And the only things that I could not get in there was, well, obviously my mattress, but also um, I needed to leave because I was going to come back and spend one more night there. So I needed to have something there that I could, you know, sleep on and get up and eat in the morning. And then we we're going to be cleaning. So I needed some music. You can't clean without music. So I left my, my mattress, I left my sandwich maker, and I left my boom box with cassette and radio and DVD. No, CD, thank you. And, uh, and I left my answering machine. And uh, so the next day when I got there, they took everything but the mattress. Somebody broke in and <laughs> took my sandwich maker, my answering machine, from the yard sale, and they took my boombox, which was a hand-me-down. And there's just something that happens inside of you that's just like, oh, right? It's not right. It's not okay. And you feel violated. And uh, if you've ever had your home broken into or something stolen from, from your house, it just feels like, oh, they've been in here, right? They, there's just it's like you got to move or burn the house down or something because it's like there's just something not right. It, it kind of attacks your security and your feeling of just being safe. 
There's a sense of safety that's just been removed, and, uh, and God knows this. That's why he included these two commandments. Don't steal. Don't lie against each other. They cause a lot of damage, and some of that damage might be irreparable. So this weekend, I want to dig into these two commandments and see how they're different and how they're connected. Most of all, how we can keep from breaking these guardrails and staying free. See, sometimes the thing that's different about guardrails and the commandments is that you usually know when you've gone through a guardrail. I don't know if you've experienced that. I hope you haven't. But I've driven through a fence before. It was, you know, there's cattle far away from the fence. So I didn't hurt any animal or person. But I know what it feels like to break through. And you know what? There was no, huh, did I... Did I break through something? There was no question that I had broken through this fence. And I think the same thing is true of guardrails, but I think sometimes with commandments, sometimes they're a little bit sneaky. And we can go through them and break through and be on the other side and sometimes not realize that we're there. So how can I stay free by protecting my neighbor through the truth? This is not lying against them. Number one is this, I will honor and obey God's truth. Oh, actually, I think we changed it. Yeah, honoring and obeying God's truth keeps me free. I changed it in my other notes, but not on this, so I apologize. But I will, I will honor and obey God's truth, and it will keep me free. We saw earlier that God gave us these guardrails, these commandments to keep us free, to keep free people free. And one of the things God's people are supposed to do is to stay connected to the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. Remember, it's all about Jesus. In John 14, 6, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. free. So if you like freedom, you want to live in freedom, you got to live in truth. Jesus declaring this about himself. He's saying he is the truth. When we live in Christ, it also means that we live in the truth. And a major part of what Jesus taught is that we need to love each other and not lie about each other. Have you ever wondered what language the devil speaks? It's not necessarily English or Spanish or Portuguese or or Vietnamese or anything like that, it's lies. Like that is his native tongue. Scripture says this about the language of Satan in John. Jesus says, he has always hated the truth because there is no, no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. And I won't ask you to raise your hand, but you've probably met someone who speaks fluent Satan, right? It's like, can you even talk without telling a lie? You know, they used to make the joke about how can you tell when a politician is lying? And their mouths move, right? You all know that one. I think we've probably seen some of that recently, right? Um, there's no shortage of examples. So if we know that this isn't healthy for us, why do we lie? How do we, as believers, fall into the trap of dishonesty? Maybe it's to avoid consequences or bad actions. Like, I didn't see the sign, officer. Or, 
I didn't know it was wrong to not pay my taxes, or I thought it was okay to double dip my chip in the salsa. It's not okay to do that. Unless you're with family. Anyway. <clears throat> or maybe it's to keep or gain approval like this. Hey, that project was my idea. Or honey, do I look big in these jeans? Don't answer that. Never answer that. There was a preacher's wife one time that brought home a brand new dress and her husband said, babe, I, I told you we, we're running low on cash. I told you not to buy a new dress. And she's like, yeah. He said, I told you what to do. If you're getting a new dress and you're tempted to and, and you're tempted to spend all that money, I told you to, to say, get behind me, Satan. And she said, I did. And he said, it looks good from back here too. <laughs> so what about this is deception? Is deception the same as lying? Somebody says, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell them everything. Or they didn't ask, so I didn't say. I heard about a teenage boy who was supposed to be home at midnight and came home at 2 a.m. Nobody here's ever been there, right? Everyone in the house was asleep, and as he was slowly sneaking up the stairway, he hit a step that creaked, and it woke up his dad. The boy's dad said, Bobby, is that you? He said, yes, sir. And the father asked, what time is it? Before the boy could say a word, the cuckoo clock struck twice. Bobby said it was the most ingenious moment of his life when he stood there on the stairs and cuckooed ten more times. So whether we lie or deceive or mislead, fib, heads the truth, tell white lies, hide the truth, pretend we don't know, and we promote what is false, it's all lying, right? We know that, but part of us doesn't want to know that or doesn't want to admit that. Part of us wants to lie to ourselves. And these kind of lies chain us up because we all know that lies lead to more lies. If the truth sets us free, what do you think lies do? There's a reason that it's called a web of lies. lies lying is an epidemic in American culture, we see it everywhere. Sometimes you can't help but wonder if anybody is telling the truth. We just went through another election where you and I had to try and decide and decipher which one of them, if not all of them, are lying, especially about the other candidate. One survey revealed that 66% of Americans say it's okay to tell lies. It's two-thirds of our culture. In another survey, only 31% of people agreed that honesty is the best policy. That means that only three out of every 10 people in America believe that it's best to be honest. Dr. Leonard Keeler, the inventor of the lie detector, had tested about 25,000 individuals when he finally came to the conclusion that human beings are basically deceptive. And do you know who we are the most deceptive with? Ourselves. We really are really good at lying to ourselves. This is the whole principle at the beginning of what recovery means. Because the first thing we have to do is what? Admit 
Admit that I'm powerless. Put aside denial, which is lying to ourselves, and accept the truth so we can find freedom. We say things like, I'm okay. I can do this on my own. I just have to figure this out. Or we say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. It's always one of my favorites. Or we say, why try? I'm never going to succeed anyway. God doesn't really love me. Everyone seems to have a purpose but me. This world would be better off without me. I'm an accident. I'm not enough. I'm not good at my job. I'm a horrible spouse or a parent. I can't do anything right. And what breaks my heart today is there's a lot of us in this room, if not every single one of us, that have told ourselves at least one or more of those lies and believed it. But they're not true. They're not. And I know part of you is like going, but they are with me. <laughs> no, they're not. Those are all lies and not even close to how God sees you and me. God values you. God loves you. God sees greatness in you. In fact, he placed his image inside of you. He uniquely designed you and has a purpose and plan for you. In Ephesians 2.10, my favorite verse in the entire Bible, it says that for we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good things he planned for us long ago. That's who you are. That is your identity. I think Paul's letter to Colossians sums it up the best. He says, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old nature and all its wicked deeds. God has given us a brand new nature for those who have accepted and trusted in Christ. So now let's dig into the next commandment of not stealing. I think some of you are like, we got through the lying part. I think I'm good on the stealing part. How can I stay free from the dangers of taking what I shouldn't have? Number two is this. I will pursue godly character and integrity. I will pursue godly character and integrity. So why do we take things that don't belong to us? You know, like you might be sitting here thinking, I don't do that. Well, good. We'll see. <laughs> when we first hear this, we think the literal physical act of taking from an item from someone like that little plastic green ring that I, that I pinched. But it's much bigger than that. We can also steal other things. In fact, there are nearly 130 synonyms for stealing. We can steal someone's honor or accept honor that belongs to someone else. We can steal someone's hope. Child abuse steals a child's innocence. We rob our families of time when we work 70, 80, or more hours a week. When we're selfishly absorbed in our own hobbies, we can steal from the ones who need us most. So can we truly love someone and steal from them? Business owners can overcharge customers. Repairmen can fix things that, that weren't broken. Doctors and hospitals can run unnecessary tests. Insurance companies can scare you into buying something you don't need. Clocking in too soon or not working while clocked in. There's this whole new concept after COVID called quiet quitting, which is showing up and doing the bare minimum or less. But you're there. 
These are all forms of stealing. And God clearly says, don't do it. Don't be dishonest. Be a person of godly character and integrity. And guys, in case you think I'm pointing a finger at you, I'm pointing this at me. Because I know where I fall short in this. There's so many times that I have, you know, thought, well, you know, it doesn't really matter if I watch a couple of YouTube videos at work. And then like an hour has gone by. Don't tell Pastor Dave that I said that. (laughs) But that's not what I'm getting paid to do. I mean, they weren't even like research. It was like dumb cats and puppies or something like that. Did I just say that out loud? Don't take advantage of people. Leviticus 25, 17 says, Show your fear of God by not taking advantage of each other. I am the Lord your God. What does stealing say about our trust level in God? If he truly is our provider, what does stealing say? So don't steal from each other. Care for each other. Watch out for each other. Being a person who pursues God's character and integrity is incredibly important to God. But we can justify it by saying things like, eh, they won't miss it. They have plenty. Or they treated me badly in the past, so I deserve this. They owe me. I'm taking what I deserve. Stealing either takes advantage of the weak or takes revenge on the strong. Stealing communicates that my need, my want, is more important than yours. So let me ask the all-time favorite that we love to hear and doesn't make any of us uncomfortable at all. Have any of us ever stolen from God? What did God say through the prophet Micah? Or Malachi, sorry. He said, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? He says, you have cheated me and the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of God, I will open up heavens for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take care of it. So for context, this was written to a specific people at a specific time. But the principle still applies to us. Like how, how do we live a life of saying, God, you want me to be generous with what I have? Not a taker, but a giver. What's the, the most well-known Bible verse in the entire Bible is what? John 3.16. How does it start? For God so loved the world that he gave. The very core of who God is is not somebody who takes comes and robs us, we can, we can fear that sometimes. Like, what if I truly give everything that I am to the Lord? What am I going to lose? What am I going to have to give up? Well, I don't know. Regret? Resentment? Hatred? The list goes on and on. So if we answer honestly, have we ever stolen from God? Have we ever stolen from someone? Let me ask you this. What would you want someone to do who had stolen from you? Give it back. Make it right. Maybe apologize. Maybe make amends. Confess, repent, and make it right. That's God's recipe for starting to shift away from breaking through that guardrail and going on the path of eternal life that he has for us. A great resource is actually, believe it or not, 
Thrivent, we actually have that as a free resource to contact them, help get finances in order. But this is really not about finances, is it? It's really about here. It's really about our hearts. Do we look at people saying, God, how can I build them up? Lady Bird Johnson has a famous quote that says, imagine everybody you meet has a sign on them that says, make me feel important. Now, if we look at people that way, we won't take from them. We won't lie about them. We'll realize that every two eyes that we see, every person we see across the intersection or in the aisle at the, at the store or on the TV, every set of eyes belongs to somebody who is dearly loved by Jesus and he calls us to love too. So don't steal. Don't testify falsely against your neighbor. Instead, make a commitment to honor God's truth, to live in that freedom, and to pursue godly character and integrity. I want to wrap up this by just thinking about a couple of things. There's, there's this idea, and I brought it up in the middle of the message, about that we can lie to ourselves. And it can become a poison of lies inside of us. And it can steal from us the joy and the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. I don't want you to believe those lies about you, but you know what? I don't actually get to make that choice. That choice is up to you. Whether you will believe the truth that God says about you or not. Whether you will accept his identity that he has given to us. He said, the old is gone. The old is dead. I'm giving you brand new life. Not talking about making a bunch of self-proclamations in front of the mirror in the morning. I am great. I am awesome. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about having the God confidence that Apostle Paul talks about. Knowing who you are. The more I embrace my identity in Christ, the fact that I'm a child of the Most High God, and that he has a plan and purpose for my life, the more I accept the fact that these guardrails, these commandments are put into place to keep me free. <coughs> if you don't remember anything else today, remember this, and maybe you need to do this today. On my desk at home, besides way too much junk, there's something really important. Something my wife gave me. And it's a crumpled up dollar bill that's been stepped on and kind of smudged around in the dirt. And she took it and kind of, you know, flattened it out as best she could and put it in a frame to remind me that no matter what I've done and no matter what's been done to me, I still have the same value that Christ put in me to begin with. You think about it, you got a dollar bill. I mean, it could be written on to some extent. It could have rips in it. I've gotten some that they've been ripped in half and taped back together. Guess what they're worth? A dollar. The same as the one that comes fresh out of the mint. Most of us in this room, we could say, yeah, I'm not that. <laughs> I'm not that fresh, clean, perfect dollar bill anymore. I'm pretty roughed up, pretty broken. But understand, in God's eyes, and in reality, because he actually sees the truth, you're still worth his own son going to a cross and paying 
everything for you. So it's up to you to choose to accept that, to realize and to be thankful this Thanksgiving season that that's how God sees you. It's valuable, it's precious. In fact, it is because of Christ, he doesn't even see the dirt and the wrinkles and the scars and all the bumps and stuff that we get. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus. That's pretty incredible. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you today. God, that you love us so much that even while we were still sinners, even while we were totally missing it, totally aiming at the wrong thing, you loved us enough. We may have been throwing curses your way and you still died on the cross and said to the Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God, some of us, that just rings so true. There's so many times in our life when we had no clue, no clue at all, God, what we were doing. Maybe some of us even feel like that today. And God, you're saying to each one of us, come home, listen to what I know is true about you, that you are precious, that you are valuable, that you matter. God, fill each heart with hope, with joy, and God, with the desire to to be givers, not takers, and to be truth sayers to live in that integrity that you give us. Pray this in your precious name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Guys, this morning, I just want to challenge you with this last thing. When it comes to these guardrails, our God is whoever we obey. Our God is whoever we listen to. Whoever we turn to in our time of greatest need, that is our God. So let God be your source this week. Let him be the one you turn to in every situation. Let him be your first thought in the morning and your last thought before you go to sleep at night. God bless you guys. If you want prayer, I'll be down here. Maybe some others will too. But um, just thank you so much for having me today. God bless you. Have a great week.